Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, O2 Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy, increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1, Episode 12. Here's a question for you. What is the best way to survive mentally during stressful times? If you're like most people, you may be trying to figure this out right now as stress, uncertainty, and related sleep problems skyrocket. Today, we bring you a guest who is uniquely experienced to answer this question. Our guest is Tara Rolstead, and she is an author, a professional speaker, and a comedian. Several years ago, Tara left a career as a nonprofit executive to help raise nieces who lived with severe mental illness. Now, Tara uses humor, her personal story, and the lessons she's learned to help audiences understand the experiences of those who struggle with mental health issues and the experiences of their families. Understanding mental health challenges from everyone's perspective is critical because, as Tara says, mental health affects everyone with a brain. In this episode, you'll learn why we have to separate the brain from the mind if we want to understand mental health struggles, what happens when we think about mental health problems and mental health recovery, and Tara's four-point framework for mental health maintenance. Hello, Tara, and welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast. Hi, I am glad to be here. And I am very glad that you are here today as well, um, because we are in May right now, and it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I think uh, in general, it's a topic that needs more um, discussion and you know more opportunity for people to learn about. And that is particularly true now with everything that is going on. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what for mental health, uh, well, in terms of mental health, what, um, how you get into this, what you do and, and kind of get us started there? Absolutely. So I got into, uh, I'm a professional speaker and an author on mental health, and I'm not a provider. I'm not a mental health practitioner. I'm not a therapist. I got into mental health as a family member, which a lot of people do either, you know, their own experience or the experience of someone they care about. And several years ago, my husband and I took in some nieces that had come out of a really horrific childhood abuse situation. And they came to us with a lot of mental health issues that they were healing from. And we spent the next several years getting a crash course in mental health. We had several years of lots of um, suicide attempts and hospitalizations and psych unit stays and learned so much about our brains and about how much our mental health can heal Mm -hmm. 
Mm. from even the worst of situations, which I think we don't talk about enough. I think we're starting to have more awareness of mental health in general. I agree. I agree. We don't talk about recovery enough. So that was amazing to learn that as well. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. When you say you learned so much about, you know, the brain, can you just go into, you know, give us like the 30,000 overview uh, there that of what you mean by mentioning the brain? Um, Yeah. I I think we have this weird distinction in our culture between physical health and mental health. Like they're totally separate things, but they're not most mental health issues are disorders of an organ in our body, just like a kidney or a liver or a heart. It's our brain. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we separate them too much when in fact they're so connected and so many mental health disorders um, are, are something we can all be treating all the time just with, good basic health practices. And I don't mean people with serious mental health issues. I mean, those of us who are struggling through perhaps the crappiest year on record, right now with all of the anxiety and all of the depression, there are things we can all do to keep our brains healthy. You know, as, as a a breathing specialist uh, and a a sleep strategist, I agree with you 100%. I know you have a certain way to talk about that. I, and I like the way you do it. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it's a framework uh, that I came up with out of irritation, frankly, that I couldn't come up with a, a better name. And I thought, no, this is it. This is the honest name for it. It's the boring four. Because I do talk a lot about self-care when I talk to groups. And I think when I say self-care, the first sign that you know you might need more self-care is if you roll your eyes when I say self-care. Mm. And if you roll your eyes and want to punch me when I say self-care, that definitely means you probably need a little more self-care. <laughs> Great point. Yeah. yeah. And so the boring four is the way I, I talk about the things that we can all be doing all the time. And after the year that we've had, we ought to be really focusing on all of us. Yeah. Um, the boring four. And so the boring four are sleep, nutrition, diet. Nope. Sleep, nutrition, exercise, and community. Good. Yes. And it sounds so simple, but there's so much healing power in each of those four categories. Yeah. So let's talk about each one a little bit. Maybe like, let's just start with exercise because I think with us being um, in lockdown for so long and being afraid of going out and, you know, having a, a possible interaction with somebody that we don't know, I think sedentary lifestyles have gotten even more pronounced than they were before. So let's just talk a little bit about how the boring Uh, exercise as a boring four can really help and why it's so critical. You know, for a lot of us, and I'm going to say myself included, uh, there was a significant part of lockdown last year of quarantine where my exercise regimen consisted of, of going to get more Cheetos to eat with my Netflix show. Right. I can relate, (laughs) you know, sad, but true, but they are finding some fascinating things out about the connection of our bodies to our minds. And they know that exercise by itself can be as effective for some people as antidepressants. Mm. Now, let me be very clear. I am pro medication. I am pro whatever you need to be appropriately healthy, right? 
but we do undercount some of the things that we can, we can do for ourselves and exercise is one of them. The exercise can be a very powerful antidepressant. It can be a really powerful way to make yourself present in your body, um, to ground yourself. And again, those are kind of cliched terms, but, but they are for a reason. Yeah. Um, well, and, I would and even so- add, like, if we just, if we think of something that, um, add in something that people may know already, just think about, <clears throat> about how people, uh, how runners talk about the runner's high, right? Getting out there, doing that run, physical movement, um, allows us to release endorphins, right? The, the pleasure right. hormones thing. So right then and there, if you were, if you are going to have that coursing through your body, it's going to help you ameliorate, you know, any kind of blues. So totally agree with you, uh, with you on that. Yeah. Okay. Exercise changes the brain chemistry. Okay, great. So that is definitely, uh, exercise is indeed so important. So let's go into the next of the boring four then, which one shall we talk about next? Well, we can talk about nutrition. And for a lot of us in the beginning of the pandemic, for me, at least sometimes sitting on the couch with a bag of Cheetos was what made us feel secure and made us feel like, you know, we were going to get through the day. But as that time went on, I certainly noticed that my nutrition was affecting how I felt and nutrition is probably the most individualized of the four because it's so personal. What works for me isn't going to work for you. I'm sure, I'm sure you've had that. Absolutely. Same situation where somebody comes to you with their amazing diet finding or whatever, and it just, it doesn't work for you because that's, you know, and we, frankly, I am a firm believer in the fact that we don't have nearly enough science about nutrition to be able to prescribe any one approach for all of us. We just don't, but we do know the obvious boring things that eating more of the right stuff and less of the stuff that makes us feel crappy is going to make us feel better. Yeah. And the one thing that we are learning more about is the, the connection between the inflammation in our bodies and our brain chemistry. And so we're learning more about how the things that we eat can either promote inflammation or decrease it. Yeah. And Obviously, the, the more inflammation in our bodies, the more that can affect things like depression and anxiety, and possibly even, this isn't for sure yet, but possibly even uh, more serious situations like bipolar disorder. Um, again, science is not firm on that, <laughs> Yeah, but I think that we each know, we each know for ourselves, what are, what are what are we doing when we're eating well and supporting yeah. ourselves? Yeah. You know what, what are we make, doing when we're not? Right. It <laughs> makes me think of Halloween, you know, when the kids go trick-or-treating and they come back with a bag of candy and you've said, okay, you can have five pieces. And then they come out and they're like, I have a stomach ache. And you're like, how many pieces did you have? And they're like, um, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, listen, pay attention to how you feel. Right. Cause the best yes. way for them to learn how to modulate is to know, Oh, I did this and I felt sick. Let me not do that again. Because you're right. It, it um, you know, it, it, with, even with other foods, it doesn't matter what it is. You pay attention to how it makes you feel. Uh, right. if it's not making you feel good, uh, in your gut, 
what 80% of our immune system resides in our gut. So if, if we're impacting ourselves at that really basic level, we're going to feel it overall, including in the brain, you know, which is again, a physical organ that's fed by what we do. So absolutely nutrition is, is uh, critical. Uh, all right. So uh, I guess uh, we can talk about the next of the boring four. Well, let's say sleep for last, because that's yeah. your expertise as well. So then the third is community. And that might be surprising, but we have learned so much about the impact of support, the impact of the people we have in our lives around us, and the impact of loneliness on our mental health. And I, I think probably everybody has read an article or two about the loneliness epidemic in this country, and it certainly was not helped by a year of isolation. Absolutely. And we've all been cut off from our friends and family, um, all of us, and to some degree or another, depending on where you are in the country. I'm in a part of the country that locked down hard for a long time. So really just getting to a point now where I'm seeing friends again. And, and I work a lot with parents and with family members. And that's something that I, I tell them all the time is you have to build a support system for yourself. Today's sponsor asks this important question. Have you done a mental health check today? Have you been feeling off? How long have you felt that way? Cindy Chosick is a speaker, ghostwriter, and author who connects the dots to the symptoms, solutions, and sound bites so we can help ourselves, our teams, and our loved ones. Learn more at GetSoConnected.com. Ask yourself today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? Go to IsYourSleepMakingYouTired.com and get your copy today. If you don't have family members and friends around you that you can count on and be completely real with, you need to go build that now right? because uh, parenting is not something you can do by yourself. Right. I don't mean single parenting. I mean, without, without a lot a of people around you supporting you Right. and ugh, parenting kids with mental health issues, you definitely cannot do I well without and survive right. without having a lot of support. Yeah. And so being in community, whatever that means for you, again, whether that's, you know, hanging out with friends at a coffee shop or going on a hike with somebody and knocking out two of the boring four with one stone, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but community is really important and really powerful and really at risk for us yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what I think about is, I mean, first of all, we're social beings, right? So it makes perfect sense that community, What if you look at the literal root of that, it's like with, you know, one being one community. So we, we do have to come together as social beings and we're getting it from both sides right now uh, with all of these conditions because we ourselves as parents may be isolated and our kids too. Yes. Are, right. So it's like a double whammy. So we have to make sure that we have the community and think about them too, because um, we're both we're, from both sides. We're in, a, we're in a tough predicament and, uh, and definitely we'll be better off. Even if it just, you know, they get a chance to commiserate with their friends about how awful their parents are and the exactly. parents get commiserate about how tough the kids are. Even just that venting, uh, you know, is, is we powerful. All need that. Absolutely. And the other thing I would say is that 
um, as we, oh, Lord willing, as this pandemic comes to an end, right? And we come back into a place where we can see each other and we're going to work again and we're going to coffee shops and we're seeing people be aware of the fact that there's going to be extra anxiety for us, for our kids in that, even though it's what we want, we haven't done it for a year. And so we're, we're going to naturally have increased levels of anxiety. I've felt it. I've talked to other friends who are feeling it. My kids have certainly felt it. And so just be gentle with yourself. Be aware of that, that even though it's something good and it's positive change, it's still going to come with a level of stress. Right. Yeah. It may be like one of those mixed emotion kind of you're happy, but you're scared. And, and, and maybe the biggest thing you can do is, is, you know, we talk about like having, treating yourself with grace, you know, exactly. right. To say, Hey, this is how I'm feeling now. And that's okay. You know, and, and that, right. that, that I think in and of itself can bring all that stress and everything down. It's, I think it's a lot of times when you put that expectation on yourself and then you don't meet it, that can drive up so much. So if you just sort of say, Hey, it's going to be what it's going to be. We'll see how it goes and let it work itself out. That can help tremendously uh, for that, you know, re-entry that hopefully we'll get to sooner rather than later. Okay. So lastly, then let's talk about the fourth of the boring four. That is, I know a passion point for both of us. Go ahead, Tara, start us off. So I am not a sleep expert in the way that you are, but what I do know is that not okay. So a lot of us are very affected by the amount of sleep that we do or don't get. That's baseline. And then for people who are living with some sort of mental health struggle, sleep is always a key component of feeling better or feeling worse. And for some people who are living with a mental health struggle of some kind, sleep is actually a functional part of the disorder. In other words, um, we talked, we've talked before about ADHD and how they really believe that for some people, ADHD is as much a sleep disorder as it is anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I don't think we have enough firm science to be able to parse that out exactly, but being very respectful of your own sleep needs is really important. Um, one of the nieces yeah. that lived with us and that really struggled with PTSD for a long time her experiences uh, really illustrated the importance of that. And she and I would joke, um, as you do when you're in a really tough situation and you make kind of those dark jokes, we always said, you know, that she needed to be completely open about the times she wasn't sleeping because there was nothing that would get her on the crazy train to bad things faster than not sleeping. Yes. Um, it, it always, uh, what is presupposed it always presaged a really negative series of events for her if Mm -hmm. she wasn't sleeping very bad things would happen right and it yeah and even if if we just step back for a second anybody who has ever parented a young child or you know seen a young child what happens when that kid doesn't get the sleep they need right it's not exactly And so if it is a kid who has struggles already, as you're describing your niece, we can see how, you know, it would definitely play out, right? Kids are young, their brains are developing, they need more rest. And if they're not getting it, it's, it's harder. Yeah. And, and being disciplined about that when you are living with mental health, mental health issues, isn't fun. It's boring, 
but it's also just as critical perhaps to your recovery or your healing as managing insulin levels for somebody who has diabetes or um, managing exercise for a person with heart, um, heart problems and blood pressure issues. Right. It has to be part of the treatment plan and not something that you can just ignore and put off to the side as if it wasn't important. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I want to add this in at this juncture. So when we think about sleep, we really want to think about it in two ways. So one is kind of like the sleep hygiene angle, right? Of making sure that you, um, you know, set the conditions so that you can get enough sleep every night. I, right. And the other thing is really this sleep integrity idea where you want to make sure that the sleep is actually, you know, doing that your brain is actually able to do what you need it to do while you're sleeping. It's kind of like, I use a dishwasher analogy. You know, if you have to load the dishwasher, if you know, you have to make sure everything lines up, if things are touching, whatever, you don't, you're not setting things up so that you'll get a clean load of dishes, right? So sleep yeah. hygiene is the same way. Load everything to have the best chance. Sleep integrity though, is what happens when you shut the door. You don't know what's going on in there. The only way you can tell if the dishwasher went through all the appropriate cycles is when you open the door and you see, do I have a good clean you know, loaded dishes here. And so for a lot of people, first of all, the sleep hygiene is a problem. They're not setting the conditions to give themselves the chance to get a good night's sleep. And then then beyond that, for a lot of people, they may be getting the sleep. Like for me, I was getting seven and a half hours of sleep of night. So it looked like, you know, sleep hygiene wise and quantity, I was fine. I didn't think sleep was a problem at all. But when it turned out that I wasn't cycling through the sleep cycles the way I needed to um, while I was actually sleeping. And then that's why I was having all the challenges that I was having. Um, so I think, and, and there's a lot of research, uh, Tara, too, that's really exciting that's showing, um, you know, when the, we can see what the brain does during sleep now, thanks to all the technology that we have. Right. And basically, right, you know, the brain literally shrinks down in size and this fluid comes and rinses it all out and kind of, you know, restores the brain. And it, the brain is allowed to recharge when we get into these deep phases of sleep and all that. So if you are dealing with a sleep integrity problem and you don't know because it's what's happening once you close that dishwasher door idea. Right it's going to impact your, your functioning overall. And you may see the challenge come up physically because you're tired or, or some other physical ailment. You may see the challenge come up emotionally because you're, you're irritable or you're weepy or things like that. Or you may see the challenge come up mentally where you're doing yeah. anxiety, depression. There, if you look, um, there's a very high correlation between mood disorders like anxiety, depression, bipolar, and um, you know, clinical sleep problems. So if we, if we really pay attention to that sleep, you know, we can really do wonders in terms of improving our mental health as well. And I bet you probably even um, have good tips for this, but I experience uh, families who, or individuals who are struggling with sleep issues and then they get anxious about the sleep issues. So they can't sleep. And then they're anxious and can't go to sleep because they're feeling anxious about their sleep issues. Absolutely. And they just get stuck in this really difficult cycle, which, you know, leaves them feeling exhausted and hopeless. 
Right, right. Because they feel like they're creating it, right, too. So it, it, yes. it really, it's a, it's a horrible thing. Um, yeah, and it, it's actually going to be breathing-based solutions um, that help with that. I actually have some breathing exercises on, on my YouTube channel that if people need to look at that, they could do that. In fact, I also have a book called Fix Your Sleep that has eight breathing-based strategies. So that's been really helpful for a lot of people to figure out if you're having the problem before you go to sleep, during sleep. Or when, um, you know, after you've slept, when you're waking up or throughout the day. So yeah, so definitely sleep is critical. Uh, as we, we come to a conclusion, um, I always like to ask people, given everything that they've learned, you know, you've had a ton of experience that, with this, you've really had a chance to just live through it, right? So if you, um, if you were to put up a billboard to get a message out to other people, what would you put on it? Oh, this, you might, you might catch me on this. You might tell me it's too long for the billboard. Mm. Struggling with mental health is normal. Reach out for help. Mm-hmm. Two, you know what? We give you two side by side there. Struggling with mental there health is normal. And then a hundred yards down, reach out for help because I think those are beautiful messages. Uh, and I, I just think right now it's so important that we look out for each other and that we reach out for each other. Um, that's, you know, that's, I've got a tip sheet on my website that people can download that'll help with that because so often when it comes to mental health, we get really, we get really jacked up. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. I don't want to make it worse. I'm not going to say anything. And right now, especially after a year of isolation, we need to, we need. Well, I, I love that you've put together a tip sheet. How would someone um, access that? They can go to my website. Uh, so it's tararolstead.com mm -hmm. forward slash sleep. Okay. I will definitely put that link in the show notes. And um, I, again, I thank you for coming on with us for Mental Health Awareness Month because always it's a great thing to talk about and something we need to really help normalize essentially. Yes. And especially, especially now when so many more people are impacted. All right. Thank you so much, Tara. You are welcome. Today's sponsor asks this important question. Have you done a mental health check today? Have you been feeling off? How long have you felt that way? Cindy Chosick is a speaker, ghostwriter, and author who connects the dots to the symptoms solutions, and sound bites so we can help ourselves, our teams, and our loved ones. Learn more at GetSoConnected.com. Ask yourself today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? Go to IsYourSleepMakingYouTired.com and get your copy today. When you're ready for your aha moment, when you're ready to have more energy, increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love, go to counterfeitsleep.com and take the counterfeit sleep screening. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question, is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, if your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that.
and get back to being you. When you're. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.